<clears throat> okay, here we go. How you doing, Reg? Doing all right? Microphone's a little off again today. <clears throat> I know, first world problems. Okay, are you ready to go? Because I am. Let's just, let's just get, get going. Let's get going. All right? You're all set? Thumbs up? Levels are in a good spot for the mic, so let's just keep it there. The the music has been a little tighter. I think your your um, the 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 button is still not striking, but at least you're timing me a little better now. So I get I'm, we're getting in a nice little groove there. So whatever you're doing, keep it going. It's just I think it's just sensing it right. And I am, if you notice, I am trying to elongate, and you know a little so to give you a little time. So. It's a nice synergy going on here. Let's just keep it going. It, it turns out to be luck, probably, but at least it sounds good. But the audience doesn't have to know that. Nobody's hearing all this behind-the-scenes stuff. They just hear after I say three, two, one. So all the other stuff gets edited out, so we know that. They just hear the, hey, it's Elton Jim Toronto. So we just all this is just between you and me. All right, here we go. Uh, put it in the book, episode 354. I'll give you the three S's and then the, uh, the countdown. You give me the music. All right. Sounds good. Here we go. Star, smile, strong. Three, two, one. Hey, it's Elton Jim Toronto, and this is Captain Podtastic. And welcome to another episode of Elton Jim's Captain Podtastic. <laughs> Every Monday, a new episode is posted at WGNRadio.com or wherever you go to find your favorite podcast. There we are, just sitting there waiting for it. You. you have to do a little work, though. You have to hit play, which is... I don't think asking too much, but then I am asking you to take a, another step further. If you like what you hear, then don't be selfish. Share it with the world. Tell your friends, tell your family, tell anybody who listens to a podcast that your favorite podcast is, uh, duh, Elton Jim's Captain Podtastic, and it should be theirs too. And don't forget, if you like what you hear... Go to WGNRadio.com, hit the podcast section, hit the prompt for this podcast, and my goodness, it'll be like discovering the treasures of an Egyptian tomb, hint, hint, just waiting for you to go through those treasures of the past. It's always good to... Get a sense of the past so you know where you're going in the future. There's at least 353 former podcasts in there. Just keep scrolling and scrolling and scrolling. And it'll get you to this one. Welcome to episode 354. As I just said, uh, it is always a good idea, at least in my mind, to uh, to try to be as up-to-date and current as possible as what we talk about here on the podcast, because as I've said on many occasions, uh, I consider this a uh, an ongoing conversation. 
And it's always good to know what we've talked about in the past so that you get a sense of what we're going to talk about or what I might talk about in the future. And sure enough, before I head off on to what I want to talk about for the most part in today's podcast, I do want to uh, refer to a former podcast, and you don't have to go that far back. How about just last week, episode 353? I'm not even asking you to, to... to do any major research here. It's just go back to last week's. It's It's got to be right there on your device or it's right there at the top of the, on the page of the, of the WGN radio.com website. It's very, it should be very simple to access that. Or hopefully you just remember it last week. Um, it was no, it was no mistake. Uh, you know, I, I, I sort of do plan ahead. Uh, I talked about um, political elections and political candidates, and I did that specifically because uh, here in the Chicago area, uh, last week was a very important election, probably the most important election if you're talking about for a city, the mayor of uh, the city of Chicago, the third largest city in the country. So a pretty, pretty big election and has a lot of ramifications and a lot of meaning and uh you know it's watched by people not only locally but nationally and even internationally chicago is an international city still does business with people all around the world but certainly uh, a city the size and with the influence of chicago it has a an influence on national politics and sure enough uh it really did uh and the reason I was talking about the election to some extent was uh, about the whole idea of political outsiders that on the face many times seem very appealing to voters, especially when things aren't going well. They look for somebody that uh, is just uh, you know not connected at all and then going to go in and shake up things. And it's a very appealing message. But as I tried to point out in the podcast last week, a lot of times, while those outsiders seem good on paper or seem good in theory, when they actually get in to govern, their inexperience turns out to be their downfall. And they they were both mostly voted for not because of who they were, but be who but who they weren't or what they weren't. They weren't a person that people didn't like anymore or was considered a failure or they weren't from the party that was in power and failed and as i said many times that's uh, it's an appealing message for a candidate especially when they don't have any big experience in governing or or being in government or even name recognition but they have this i the this um, image of an outsider who's going to shake things up and, and bring order and, and get rid of all the fat of government. And uh, I tried to point out with several examples that that doesn't always work out. They may win the election, but oftentimes they don't get reelected. They're one-termers because they really weren't what people wanted. They were what people didn't want. Was, which was the other person. And one of the examples that I used was the current mayor of Chicago, Mayor Lori Lightfoot, who was running for her life and running for re-election 
after a very turbulent first term, she was elected as an outsider, as a reformer who was going to clean things up and change things. And um, she had a rough time of it, so much so that in a political uh, or, you know, in, in election rules that really should favor the incumbent in that you don't have to even win, even if you had a rough time, you don't necessarily have to uh, win by a large margin by a certain amount of votes. I mean, you do, then you get off, but you can even get, you could at least get into a runoff uh, by coming in first or second, which you would think that the incumbent would easily do. Even if people are upset at them and they are voting for someone else as a rebellion, you'd think that the incumbent with having been in and having some kind of a constituency and some kind of support would be able to garner enough, at least a second place finish to, to get in to a runoff about five weeks later, then potentially win re-election. But her term was so wrought with failure, the most glaring failure to stop the, the crime wave that has just enveloped this city over the last three or four years under her watch. She didn't necessarily, it didn't necessarily start in her watch, but it certainly didn't stop. And, um, and I, 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 this is one of those chances where I've, I've said to you in the past, I, I don't usually, uh, say it very much, but I will this time told you so this was one of my told you so moments. I don't know how much I really went out on a limb, but there's no question that at the end of the day, Lori Lightfoot could have come in second, but I, I just, you know, I don't live in Chicago per se, but I live close enough to it. I'm in Chicago, uh, you know, a majority of the time. And, uh, and I watch the news. I'm, you know, and I could see the way this city has just been overcome with crime. And it's not just in pockets of the city. It's all over the city. Everyone, regardless of race, feels unsafe and feels fed up with it. And that's what did her in. And I believe a part of that was that she never governed before. And she had a very brash kind of style she 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 came into to office with a with a very um uh sense of of entitlement almost she felt like she had some kind of a mandate and that she was going to really uh you know uh, you know be a, a the savior of the city and and she it was her way or the highway and uh chicago as much as its machine may you know the 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 political machine that was created by uh, Richard J. Daly 60, 70 years ago may be disassembled to some extent. The, 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 the ghost of it still exists. And, uh, and she came in like, um, like, Hey, uh, uh, there's a new sheriff in town and, uh, you guys better just, uh, shape up or ship out. And, uh, it didn't work. That that kind of attitude never works. And so she was a one-term 
mayor. And uh, as I said, the outsider, once again, proves to be appealing in a, in a, in a campaign, but uh, ineffectual as an elected official. And some of the examples I gave was President Jimmy Carter, outsider, one term. Jane Byrne, another mayor of Chicago, one term. Michael Balandic, another mayor of Chicago, one term. Uh, Donald Trump, outsider, one term. Joe Biden, not so much of an outsider, but elected as somebody that wasn't Donald Trump. That was his only real qualification for people. Yes, he had been a senator. Yes, he was the vice president, but nobody was really excited about Joe Biden. 78 years old. He had run for president several times and never made it through a couple of primaries. He won because he wasn't Donald Trump. And there's a question whether he is going to run again, and if he does, whether he will be elected. And another one-termer that I'd forgotten about that, that certainly I think fits the bill too was the first President George Bush. He was basically elected because he certainly wasn't an outsider and he certainly wasn't uh, a rebellion against someone else because he was Ronald Reagan's vice president. But Reagan was so popular, and even though George Bush was very different from Ronald Reagan, uh, George Bush barely won against Michael Dukakis, uh, but one term. He really never, he got the job. It was more or less, uh, well, it's kind of his time. And, you know, we liked, you know, people liked Reagan enough to say, well, let's give his vice president a chance. But he didn't really have any major constituency either. And one term. So anyway, uh, I just basically am bringing this up now because uh, it was my chance to say, I told you so. <laughs> what I do want to talk about um, today is uh, is something that I'm very excited to convey and share with you. I've always said I, I like to talk about big issues in the world, like an election and uh, and things like that. And I also like to talk about some quirky things that I do and, and entertainment things, you name it. I, whatever's, whatever's out there that I feel that is worth talking about and something that I've got some kind of an opinion on uh, uh, or a viewpoint, I'd like to share it with you. That's what you do in a conversation. That's what you do with your friends. You share things that's on your mind. and um, And often I will also share... Uh, some of the things that go on in my personal life. And this one I really am looking forward to sharing. And not just in today's podcast, because this, I think, is, is going to take at least one or two podcasts. So hopefully you will find this interesting and stay along for the ride uh, and listen uh, and, and, and enjoy uh, some of the stories and some of the recollections. Uh, but uh, about, well, let's see, now I would say about a month ago already, uh, I returned, my wife and I returned from a trip that uh, that really uh, I had been waiting a lifetime for and was the trip of a lifetime. <laughs> and I've been fortunate 
in my life. I've been on a few trips of a lifetime. I've been on a safari. I've been to uh, to Australia. Been uh, throughout Europe, and um, so I've been lucky. Uh, I've been fortunate. But at the same time, it's it, it's been it's been I, I enjoy traveling, and, and that has been a priority. And so, I have done what I can to make those goals and dreams and uh, and hopes come true. And um, but this trip that we just came from is really one one that I've I've been always thinking about since I was a little kid. And uh, finally, we had decided through the several, the many years we've been married to finally do this, even because we've done all these other trips. And this is one that I've always had in my mind, and it's, it's a little far, it's a little exotic, and so maybe that's one of the reasons why we, we didn't do it earlier. But uh, it felt like the time was right. We actually had uh, planned it for a special anniversary. And then, of course, COVID hit, which delayed this trip from when we booked it almost four years. Almost four years. So it's been a while waiting to go. So I was waiting uh, you know, <laughs> decades of my life and then when I finally was able to, to, to get it all booked and ready to go, then COVID came and then it was pushed back even more. But it's so funny how, you know, time doesn't fly, time soars. And as far off as it seemed, suddenly here it was. Ever since I was a little kid, and I don't know why. I really don't know why. But ever since I was a little kid, when I saw pictures of the Great Pyramids in Egypt, there was something about the pyramids that just drew me in. I, I, I can't really explain it. I've, I've, never, I've never been, as, as my life has gone on, I've never been a big like Egyptologist where I, you know, have been engrossed in Egyptian culture and, you know, have little statues or artifacts or when I go to a museum, I don't necessarily go to the Egyptian section. Even when King Tut's treasures came to the United States back in the late 70s and it came here in Chicago and it was the rage. I mean, there were literally, you know, lines miles long to see the treasures of King Tut when they when they traveled uh, the United States in the late seventies, and of course that gave birth to the uh, the novelty song by Steve Martin, of which I was a big fan of the song, even though I was never a a big fan of. I didn't go to see it. I mean, most of my friends, everybody, I just I I don't know why we didn't go. We didn't go as a school trip, which surprised me really now in retrospect. I'm surprised that we didn't go there as a school trip. Why wouldn't we have done that? In 1978 or 79, it was in eighth grade or high school. We should have done that as a field trip, right? But for whatever reason, I was, I was, I was never, as I said before, I was never obsessed with Egyptian culture or things like that. 
But the sight of those pyramids, whenever I would see those pyramids, especially with the Sphinx in front of the pyramids, it, there was something about it that just drew me in. I don't know. You know, I'm, as I've talked to you many times here on the, on the podcast. Uh, I love the movie The Ten Commandments with Charlton Heston and Yul Brenner and Ann Baxter. Oh, Moses. Um, I am the Lord thy God. Let my people go. I am born a Hebrew slave. <laughs> but I, I've, I've, I've watched that film since I was a little kid, and it's on every year on ABC. It's still on. I'm sure it's going to be on once again. It's usually on the weekend before Easter because it's about Passover, the, the Jewish holiday of Passover. Basically, that's what it's about, the story of Moses. And I've been watching that as a little kid. It was always a huge deal initially when it was on. And and even though it's maybe lost much of its luster, to ABC's credit, they still put it on Saturday nights or a Sunday night before Easter with commercials that's like four and a half hours, even maybe more than that. But they've decided even in the 21st century, this movie first came out in 1956, you know, everybody involved in the movie is is dead. I mean, there's nobody alive, and uh, and yet, and it's and it's and, and I've always said it's one of the most unintentionally, it's one of the unintentional greatest comedies of all time <laughs> in Hollywood history. It wasn't made as a comedy by any means. When this movie was made in 1956, it was meant to be a very serious and captivating and compelling epic tale. And it had elaborate sets and hundreds of thousands of extras. There was no CGI where you created a, a you know, a, a, a big uh, mass of people. Back in 1956, if you wanted a huge crowd scene, you needed a huge crowd. There was no computer manipulate, manipulation. Today, they, they, with computers, they can do anything. Anything that you could think of, you could do. But back in 1956, if you had, if you had huge ambitions to make a film and you wanted to make this, this epic tale, and, and, that, and, this, and, and the Ten Commandments film is an epic. Today, the word epic is used in completely wrong context. Oh, this was epic. Everything's epic. No, it's not epic. That's it's 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 a, it's an it's overused and it's used incorrectly. But the 10 commandments film is an epic. It tells a long if you look up the word epic, it basically talks about a a, a long uh you know difficult story or struggle but people have completely misused the word epic now. And everything's epic. Oh, it's so epic. You know, now we see it on commercials and you hear, you know, people say it all the time and it's, it's just wrong. It's not what an, that's not what epic uh, really means. But in today's world, nobody cares about what's, you know, we don't really care about grammar anymore. We don't really care about, uh, about any kind of, you know, English or verb, you know, words. It's just... You know, epic is uh, it's it's the cool word now, but it's it's not used correctly. But what are you going to do? 
when enough people say it and use it, then everybody just jumps on the bandwagon and suddenly everything is epic. Uh, but no, it's, it's usually something long and it has an oral tradition and it's narration and it's heroic and it's legendary. And there's very few things in today's world that are epic, especially what, you know, TikTok or 17-year-old or 14-year-old girls are calling epic. But doesn't matter. They run the they run the culture. So they say epic and everybody says it. But this movie is truly an epic. And um so I've been watching the Ten Commandments. So maybe that's why I became fascinated to some extent with the pyramids, even though they don't they don't really show the pyramids in the Ten Commandments, but it it does give a an insight into the the Egyptian civilization the ancient egyptian civilization with yul brenner as ramses the second and his horny his horny wife nefertiri oh moses and um and seti who was the pharaoh before ramses and we see the we see egypt at its at its height so maybe that's where I also got intrigued by that, but it was just something about the 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 image of those pyramids that have and, and especially with the Sphinx, as I said before, that in front of it that just captivated me as a young kid, and and I always felt in the back of my mind I would love to see the pyramids because it really. Especially as a little kid, and even in, in, you know, it doesn't you need to be a little kid. I mean, to travel to Egypt, it, it doesn't it just seem it seems so far. It seems so exotic. It seems so unreachable. Especially you know because there's this ancient Egypt thing about it. It's almost like you're going back in time, and maybe that was part of the the draw to this was that as a little kid. Those pyramids looked like something, and they were, something from such a different time, a time so far away that it made, it made those, those, uh, those structures and where they were, it just seemed like it was, wasn't even real, like it was unreachable. You know, for, for, for a little kid born on the northwest side of Chicago to see those pyramids it it seemed like it was it was it was and it and it seemed even more so a world away like it was unreachable like some some crazy dream or some crazy goal to be standing in front of the pyramids and actually see them in person because of their age and what they stood for in terms of this uh this incredible and impressive um engineering feet that these structures were still standing 5,000, 3,500 years later, still standing. You know, it's, it's baffling. And so in the back of my mind, I always felt like, you know, I would, I just, I have to see those pyramids in person in my lifetime. And it wasn't some it wasn't some burning 
uh, kind of goal or dream of mine, but it was just always there. I always said, oh, and I always want to see that. Whenever people say, where do you want to go? Well, I'd love to go here, but oh, and I, oh, and I, and I want to see the pyramids. It was always on the list. And as I said, uh, my wife and I have been very fortunate. Um, we've traveled quite a bit. Uh, my parents instilled in me a sense of, of wanderlust, I guess, or, or a, a, a sense of, of, of adventure and, and exploration and travel. When I was a little kid, uh, we went on some really uh, interesting vacations. I was an only child, and so, you know, we were able to. Um, my mom didn't have my mom and didn't have five or six kids that they had to feed, so we were able to go on kind of vacations different than most people in the neighborhood. A lot of people in, in the neighborhood here, you know, they went to, you know, nearby places, you know, in, in Wisconsin or you know wherever. But I, as a young kid, I mean, we went to California. You know, we saw, you know, before did there, before there was a Disney World, we went to Disneyland, and I went to Las Vegas, and we went to Hawaii, and went to Mexico City. Uh, we went on a cruise, you know, a Caribbean cruise. This was all before I went to high school. You know, so we went on some really interesting, different, elaborate vacations that most. People, kids didn't go that I, and, but, but being exposed to that at a young age, getting on an airplane, getting on a, on a, on a cruise ship, uh, you know, going on these tours, seeing all these different things. So I, for first, maybe, maybe my, um, my obsession with the, with the pyramids in Egypt came from the fact that I remember when I went to, we went to Mexico, I, I saw the pyramids of the sun, the Aztec pyramids. So maybe that played into it. My point is I was exposed to traveling and traveling to some different places far, far from the middle-class northwest side of Chicago neighborhood that I was born and raised in. So my, my, my exposure and my view of the world was much bigger and it was expanded because of those trips. And so that's why I always have enjoyed travel and I've always enjoyed getting immersed in into different going to different places and and I enjoy walking the streets of the of, of different cities whether they're in the United States or or around the world to to get a sense of the place I like always being in different places I've enjoyed that it's been I and I feel that my my life has been enriched by the travel that I've done I've really enjoyed it and I thank my parents for that, um, for 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 offering that opportunity to me. And I've and I I took that lesson, and I think I've built on it and even expanded it more than than they ever did. Which I think really is what you hope for your kid, right? So I'm I'm in, in, eternally indebted to my parents for 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 what they did in terms of uh, instilling in me this sense of adventure and exploration and, and a love for travel. And so as the years have gone by, uh, my wife and I have, as I said before, we've traveled quite, quite a bit throughout the country and uh, throughout the world and hope to continue for many, many years to come. 
But it was one of those things where I was like, you know what? I really, you know, it's getting time now. We've been to some places we've always wanted to go. And I've had this Egyptian thing in my in the back of my mind for as long as I can remember. So it's time to 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 do it now. So for our anniversary, uh, we were going to finally go. And uh, we were going to go in 2020. And we booked a, uh, and so in 2019, we booked to go on a Nile River tour cruise and see the pyramids in Cairo and then take a cruise down the Nile and see all the other kind of temples and tombs and sites that uh, that Egypt has to offer. So I was really looking forward to this. It, it felt, it finally felt real. After so many years of decades, as, as the majority of my life as a little kid, always saying the pyramids, the pyramids. And I remember uh, one of my aunts as a young woman had gone to Egypt and she talked about going to the pyramids and seeing the pyramids and going to Egypt, which just made it even feel more real as a little kid. Like, well, maybe it's possible. It seems, it seems exotic. It seems crazy. It seems so far away. It seems so unreachable, but maybe it isn't. And it always sat back in, in my mind. And so here it was finally getting real. And a month before, we were going to go in April of 2020. Booked it in 2019. In April of 2020, all you know, getting ready to go. And then COVID hits. Right around now, three years ago. I think it was March 12th was actually the day when everything kind of shut down, if you remember that. And so, of course, <laughs> we were supposed to go like a month later. And at the time, there was a lot of question as to things, and some things were shutting down and some things weren't. But of course, when, when, when COVID was really tar- starting to, to take hold and starting to spread so fast and people were going into the hospital and things were going crazy, well, then, then the cancellations of, of everything just started like a big domino effect, if you remember. Sporting events closed and, and work closed and everything closed and, and travel just basically shut down. And so while the, the, our cruise and trip wasn't initially canceled, within a couple of weeks in March, we got the news that it indeed was canceled. And there was no way of knowing when we would be able to reschedule if we, or were we going to reschedule? You know, who knew at that time, uh, in March of 2020, if you remember, it's kind of hard to, to believe it now, but you know, most people thought this was going to be a couple of months and that would be it. We never thought it was going to last two years. And even though we're, we're going to be marking the third year anniversary, well, COVID isn't as lethal and isn't as spreading as fast as it was at one time. It's still certain. It's still certainly around. There's going to come a point when we 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 don't keep marking it as a, the fourth anniversary of COVID. Right? We, we're almost at a point now. Even I wonder how much people will be talking about it in the next week or so. 
I mean, they'll say, that, well, three years ago, COVID hit, but I think there'll come a point now where it seems while it seems while you can still get a booster and you can still get vaccinated and some people wear a mask. And I told you, I still wear a mask when I go to large places like an airport or an airplane. In fact, I went to the post office the other day and I had my mask on because, you know, there's big lines in post office and I wear it when I go to the grocery store too. And... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and I and I go to the to the post office somewhat regularly, drop off packages and things like that. It's not far from the house. And so there's usually this one postal worker that has been there for a few years. So he must recognize me. I certainly recognize him. I mean he sees, you know, hundreds of people a day, but he must recognize me. I come in enough on a regular basis. Now I don't know if what he's seen me in the last three years because I've been wearing a mask. So I don't know if he remembers what I look like without my mask, but he certainly must recognize me with my mask and maybe even recognizes me even more because I have my mask on and most people don't anymore. But so I dropped this package off and he uh, says, you must be a doctor or something for wearing that mask because he didn't wear a mask and no one in the, you know, no, no, no one else in line had a mask on. And uh, I just kind of laughed and said, no, no, no. <laughs> I didn't want to say, I should have told him, you know, I just, I just, I have COVID right now. I didn't want to spread it to you. <laughs> I should have said that, but I didn't. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, so it'll be interesting to see uh, when we, we stop talking about COVID as a major thing. But anyway, COVID put our trip on hold and Initially, when it was when it was uh, canceled or postponed, we we figured, well, you know, we'll we'll push it back until January, right? This was March, so we'll say, okay, you know, we'll give this we'll give this COVID thing some time to play out and and it'll go away. And and actually, in terms of weather, uh, you know, January is is the is is a little cooler in egypt so it might actually be better to go like in january rather than in april where it could get a lot warmer because i'm not really a hot weather guy so we had rescheduled excuse me we had rescheduled it for july or january of 2021 well by the time november whatever came october november you know covid was still going strong uh we did we had just gotten the vaccine if you remember in december of 2020 so certainly that we weren't ready to go back. So it was canceled again. So then it was like, oh. So finally I'm like, well, I don't want to just keep rescheduling this thing every six months or every year. So I was like, okay, you know what? It's 2021. At that time, it was still 2020. I'm like, you know what? We can't go in 2021. I don't want to go, you know, I don't want to go... Who knows when in 2021 these these cruises are you know these cruises are going to uh, going to resume. You know what? Let's just do it by 2023. Let's just go out two years from now, so there'll be no chance that I mean by then. Come on, this we got this vaccine now, so let's just let's just let's take it a, an extra year out, so there's no possibility. We have to keep rescheduling with all the going through all the paperwork and all the rigmarole. And plus, to be honest with you, you know, I didn't want to be one of the first cruises back. 
you know, we spent a lot of money on this. You know, we we waited a long time. We've been, I waited my whole life, right? I didn't want to go on a cruise or any kind of a trip that had a lot of, you know, complications or protocols involved. You know, initially, a lot of the cruise ships, especially if you remember, the cruise ships were really hurt, hit hard by COVID because they were just kind of this uh, sailing Petri dish of people interacting. So initially, even when the cruises began, there were a lot of heavy protocols. People had to take tests every day when they came back from a cruise. And then what if you ter- you tested positive? They wouldn't let you go. You're kind of done. I'm like, I'm not going to fly all the way out to Egypt and spend all this money or whatever and all this time. And then what if I, what if I get COVID on the first day? So I'm like, okay, we're pushing this thing two years out to, 20, to January of 2023, which turned out to be a good idea, but then it, it, it was now, it's so far in the future. I mean, like I said, when I decided to do this, it was like in, in November or so of 2020. And I'm talking about two and a half years in the future now. And I first booked this trip in the spring of 2019. <laughs> So by the time we were going to go, it would be four years from when we originally booked it. Now, a an interesting and fortuitous result of the COVID and the delay of our trip was the cruise line, and I'll say it, I didn't, I'm not getting anything from them. We were on Viking, which is a, you know, one of the well-known River Cruise Lines. They certainly didn't want us to cancel our trip. You know, we had already paid for it. We were ready to go. We were, you know, we were a month before going. So they certainly didn't want to give us our, didn't want to give our money back, right? So as an incentive to keep us booking this trip, they gave us a special uh, voucher of, I think, 25% of what the trip cost. I can't remember what the whole thing was, but it was, a, it was a pretty nice incentive that you could spend on the tours or on the ship or whatever you want. They gave you this 25% voucher. And one of the things you could use it for, in addition to the tour excursions, on, on Viking, a lot of the tours are included but there are some other ones that aren't that you have to pay extra for or they have these different packages or you can get an upgrade on your room blah 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 you could do it you could use it for anything they just didn't want you to cancel your trip right because you know they were in they were they had all these trips booked and then they they you know their business shut down so they certainly didn't want to to have to return money and uh, you know they wanted to be when they started up again they wanted to make sure they had They had reservations on the books whenever they were going to start up again. So one of the things that we were able to use these vouchers for were these either pre- or post-tour or cruise excursions. So in other words, you know, you've got, you paid for your your trip, your cruise, but they also had like a three- or four-day stay in a city before your cruise or a three- or four-day stay in a certain city at the port after you were done so instead of just getting off the ship and going home 
if you wanted to extend your trip and stay in a port where you just ended up in or stay in the port where you were going to begin instead of just flying in and getting on the ship or just leaving the ship and going home, which is usually the way it works, they would have these pre- or post-excursion three- or four-night stays, and those are extra. Well, the, the, the voucher that we got was was substantial enough that we were able to get a pre cruise excursion for two for my wife and I completely free to go to Israel for four days and then go to Egypt on the uh, on the the trip and the cruise now the holy land was once again a spot that I've always wanted to go to uh you know in Israel I was born and raised a Catholic. I'm I'm not a I'm not proud of the fact that I'm a fallen Catholic, but I certainly still remember much of the teachings. Um, I was an altar boy throughout grammar school. I went. I used to. I'm, I mean, I was an altar boy. I mean, I I lived close to the church, and I was very dependable as a kid, and I enjoyed serving those masses it was cool to get dressed up in the little outfits you know and sort of you know up on the altar you're kind of on the stage and you know you know you know me i'm a performer so it was kind of cool it it fed right into what i enjoyed right um but because of that uh you know i really i i knew the mass backwards and forwards i knew the readings and the stories and and um so i've always been captivated by theology and the stories of religion. Now, whether you believe them or not, that's totally up to you, and, and that's that's your personal beliefs. But I've always been intrigued by the stories. I heard the stories so much, regardless of whether I believed in what they were saying or I believed them like they were newspaper accounts. That's you know that's beside the point. But I knew those those religious stories especially the, the 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 catholic stories especially you know the plight of jesus right and the great irony of jesus's plight is that he is the center of christianity and yet he was jewish an interesting dynamic an interesting dichotomy a an aspect that I remember in my Catholic upbringing and in my Catholic learning um, was downplayed very much that Jesus was Jewish. I mean, they had to they had to say it, but they didn't really play it up all that much. I remember hearing many of the songs that we would sing, and they would always, you know, you know, there's one, you know. Uh, Rejoice, rejoice, Emmanuel, and ransom captive Israel that mourns in lonely exile here till the Son of God appears. Rejoice, rejoice, Emmanuel. I mean, so that's basically talking about Jesus being a savior and 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 saving the Jewish people. But Jesus was a Christian. It's incomplete. That's why Jesus was killed, right? The, the, the Hebrew and the Jewish religious power structure 
went to the Romans who were who were ruling Jerusalem at the time and said, we want this guy dead because he is blaspheming against our religion. So once again, regardless of what you believe, and I'm not getting into the religious part, but I've always been intrigued by the stories. I remember there was a, a quote I heard one time. Billy Graham, who was one of the, um, the world's most popular um, preachers, Christian preachers, he used to have big revivals and tents. His son is still running the Billy Graham Ministries. I see him on commercials. But Billy Graham was very charismatic and really was viewed as, you know, the the pivotal religious leader of the mid-20th century. And he was friends with celebrities and politicians, and he really was, he was not Catholic, but he was a, a Christian preacher. Very popular. And... Uh, I remember hearing a story one time where Richard Nixon was a friend of Billy Graham. They became friends. Richard Nixon was born into a very religious, pious Quaker family. His mother was very religious. And the story was that one time they were sitting around and Richard Nixon said to Billy Graham, do you really believe the story of Jesus, that he was the son of God, that he rose from the dead and and everything like that. And Billy Graham naturally said, yes, I do. And he said, but even if it's not true, it is the greatest story ever told. (laughs) I remember the stories and was always intrigued by the stories of Jesus. And so I and and so I always you know so the the prospect of going to Israel which is you know right the the seat of the of of the Jewish world but at the same time it's also the holy land and where all of these Christian events according to the Bible took place. So there's an interesting, as I said before, dual personality. We've got Israel, a country that is not Christian, and yet some of the, 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 the most pivotal locations in the life of Jesus are in Israel, in Jerusalem, in Palestine. So it's a great irony but you know so to to go to bethlehem right i always talk about you know the three wise men my wise men at the nativity scene and all that that they you know and the baby jesus shouldn't be i mean i'm not trying to to make fun of or 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 be blasphemous because as i said before i'm interested in the tradition i grew up in those traditions of the catholic church i grew up in the traditions of those stories of the bible of jesus's life now whether i believe them or not that's another question but i certainly was raised in those stories and those stories still ring true to me and so to whether and many of these sites which you can debate whether they're legitimate or not they are the accepted commemorative sites of some of these 
events in the life of Jesus. So, for instance, in Bethlehem, right? O little town of Bethlehem, right? It's in the song. Uh, There is a church of the nativity where, according to tradition, going through the centuries, either from the Catholic or Christian crusaders or through the zealots and the early Christians, there were these sites in Israel, in Jerusalem, based on the Bible stories where people believed these events actually happened. So the Church of the Nativity, there is on top of, you know, on there's this church and you go into a grotto in the basement of this church and there supposedly is, there's a shrine and this is supposedly where Jesus was born, according to the tradition, according to people centuries ago that identified this space. Is it the exact spot? That's up for debate. But they've become the accepted locations of some of these spots. But they're scattered throughout Jerusalem. So there's the Mount of Olives in the, in the, in the Garden of Gethsemane where, where Jesus uh, went to pray before he was going to be arrested and where, the, where his apostles fell asleep and where Judas uh, kissed him so the Roman soldiers would know, uh, soldiers would know which, who Jesus was. There's the, the, the Church of the Holy Sepulchre where supposedly Mount Calvary was, where Jesus was crucified, and the tomb supposedly where Jesus was buried is also a, a church was in the, it's in the same church because obviously the tomb would not be far from where the body was crucified now once again there's no scientific or historical proof that where these spots are and where they're commemorated, you know, commemorated, commemorated are are the exact spots. But they have become the accepted spots through the years. You know, don't forget, Israel has been uh, historically been uh, conquered by many, many different countries, and they were, you know, the Romans and the Ottomans, and 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 several. They were constantly being. Uh, the, the the country was constantly being uh, invaded and and conquered and overcome. So many civilizations and 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 tribes and countries ruled over this. But there, but these these certain areas were always considered the spots. And so even though. These, these conquering nations weren't Christian. Many of them were Muslim and other religions. They still did, in many cases, recognize these Christian spots of Jesus' birth, of Jesus' death, of the Virgin Mary's birth. And structures were built on them in order to commemorate them and a lot of times the conquering nations 
even added to them as a way to show the people that they weren't completely going to just force them into submission, that they respected their religion, even though they were conquered and conquering them. So these, many of these, these Christian sites throughout Israel remain today as the accepted sites, even though historically, whether they really were or not, there isn't much historical you know, evidence to back it up. The Via Della Rosa is supposedly the, the trek through the streets of the old city in Jerusalem that Jesus carried the cross where the, where the, where the Christian stations and the Catholic stations of the cross occurred. 14 stations of Jesus is when he was first arrested until he is taken off the cross carrying the cross through the streets, falling, uh, putting his face, um, you know, on the, on the, the, on the, uh, the cloth with Veronica, all these different things. So you can actually walk down this street called the Via Della Rosa. And there are markers along the street to show supposedly where these different stations occurred. Did they really happen? At these spots, was this road that you're traveling down, this twisting, turning, narrow street that's all stone and cobblestone going through the old city of Jerusalem, is this really the path that Jesus took? Who knows? But it's commemorated. And as I said, having grown up with those stories, such a major part of my life, especially as a little kid. You know, we always remember the things that we learned as a little kid. So I always had a, a, a sense of wanting to see those things too. Once again, my my wanderlust and my uh, my 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 sense of of exploration and, and knowledge and 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 adventure to see different things. That was always an interesting thing. So the chance to 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 actually add Israel now to our Egyptian trip was was an unexpected but a most exciting addition and it was for free so i have to say that uh i'm one of the few people maybe in the world that you know looks at covid as it it you know i did i have gotten covid i was sick for a while my wife was sick but thankfully we don't know anybody that that really, uh, you know, was in serious health or, or passed away from COVID. But COVID certainly did us a favor, <laughs> indirectly or even directly. It allowed us to add Israel to our trip, which really made this now trip to the Middle East even more exciting and 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 adding more anticipation because it was going to combine now really two ancient and historic aspects and especially from my standpoint as a little kid always wanting to see those pyramids in egypt and now going to the holy land and and seeing some of these these sites that i had Born, I was born and raised learning about and hearing about Calvary and 
you know, the Garden of Gethsemane, as I said before, and, um, you know, the Stations of the Cross. We saw the Room of the Last Supper, supposedly, right? I mean, all these things. Once again, every one of these sites, did, were they really? Who knows? But they are the accepted and commemorative monuments and and Christians from around the world make pilgrimages to these places. And believe me, there are people that come to those places and uh, you know, I am I am very respectful of people's religions. I I I I have great respect for people's religion and I have great respect for people's faith. Even if I don't share it, I have a respect for it. I understand it. And so there are some people there that, you know, when the, that were going to some of these sites and, and you know, were, were very, uh, you know, moved and, and were, were, were tearful. And don't forget, too, it's not, you know, Israel isn't just filled with Christian sites. There are great sites of the Jewish tradition and Jewish history, like the Western Wall, the Wailing Wall, the the Tomb of King David, all these different uh, ruins of, of 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 temples and 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 cities, ancient cities. I I enjoy the history. I enjoy the ancient these stories. I've always been captivated by by, as I said before, religions and the stories of religions. I've been very captivated by the Jewish religion. It's a very rich religion filled, once again, with, with great history and stories. And, uh, and I, I enjoy, uh, you know, using Yiddish words that I learned from so many TV shows in the 50s and 60s, you know, watching, you know, I didn't, I mean, watching the first time, obviously, too young for that. But I grew up on so many of the reruns of the shows from the 60s and 70s, and there was a lot of Yiddish. A lot of the writers of these shows, especially in the 60s, were all Jewish, you know, comedy writers. And they grew up speaking Yiddish, or their parents certainly did. So a lot of shows would drop in Yiddish expressions like bupkis. There's a great episode of the Dick Van Dyke show, whole whole episode based around a Yiddish word called bupkis, which means nothing. And you'd hear other things dropped. You know, remember Laverne and Shirley when their song Shlemiel, Shlemazel? Shlemiel is a Yiddish word. So I've always been interested in the Jewish culture as well. So I wasn't just going there to see some of the, the 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 Christian sites that I grew up with, but I was also there to see some of the 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 Israel and Hebrew sites of the of the ancient history that I've always heard about. So really, the anticipation for this trip uh, now, with the added aspect of Israel, was was just very exciting for me, and then a chance to finally get to that seemingly unreachable place and see those pyramids the 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 prospect of that this this almost lifelong i wouldn't say obsession but just this kind of lifelong not even a dream but just maybe just kind of a goal or just kind of a 
I want to I want to do that. I want to see that was now within reach. And so uh in late January, January 22nd, for about 16 days, we went on a a trip to the Middle East, spent 4 days in Israel, 2 days in Cairo, and then another 6 days cruising the Nile. And I waited a lifetime for this trip, and as I said before, it wound up being a trip of a lifetime. It did not disappoint. It 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 it, it, it ironically and somehow, even though you know you know how much you know when you when you want something real long, it even gets it gets even more blown up in your mind how great it's going to be. This exceeded those expectations and those expectations were you know 50 years in the making and yet it even exceeded that that elevated sense of excitement it exceeded that it was that awe-inspiring to see some of these sites in egypt to see some of these these ancient structures from 5,000 years ago, these carvings and these paintings and these tombs and these temples, to think that they were built, not only were they built 5,000 years ago, but they're still standing. They're not in ruins. It's not like when you, when you, go, to it, you, know, when you go to Italy or, or Greece and, and, and a lot of these places, are, are, you know, the, the, the forum... Is, is is there i mean you know the coliseum is still in it and, you know some of these things are still which is amazing um but a lot of times like you know the, the the roman forum is mostly ruins the pantheon in uh uh or the parthenon in um, in greece is still there intact for the most part but there's a lot of ruins but here in egypt predating so much of this they're still standing the 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 engineering marvel of these pyramids and these temples and these columns and these structures and these carvings and the paintings and these and the statues it, it it's 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 just mind blowing and so i thought i'd give you this little precursor and so for the next couple of uh, podcasts, I will share with you some of the uh, memorable, uh, as I said, awe-inspiring experiences as well as some crazy funny things that, uh, that happen on every trip, right? So I hope that you will, uh, you've enjoyed kind of my lead up to this trip and in the next couple of podcasts i will take you with me to israel and to egypt on uh, a trip that uh, i will never forget which has given me a trip that has given me a greater respect and understanding of some of these ancient cultures and these ancient religions and in many ways a trip that was a culmination and a realization of a long-time goal of mine. 
and uh, it's always kind of fulfilling and and fun to to achieve something that you've always thought about and as i said at the beginning the great pyramids of egypt seemed so far away so exotic so unreachable for a little kid from the northwest side of chicago And it was quite an experience to be standing in front of those great pyramids that I had only seen in pictures and that I always, since a little child, had thought about seeing in person. And to finally stand in front of them? Well, I'll tell you about that a little more. Hope you'll... Come with me for the next couple of podcasts to Israel and Egypt. So it shall be written. So it shall be done. And so ends another episode of Elton Jim's Captain Podtastic. Every Monday, a new episode is posted at WGNRadio.com or wherever you go to find your favorite podcast. We are there. And don't forget to tell your friends, tell your family, tell anybody who listens to a podcast that your favorite podcast is Elton Jim's Captain Podtastic, and it should be theirs too. Your loyalty and devotion is much appreciated. Hope you enjoyed episode number 354. I'm Jim Toronto. I am here on business. I'm only here for fun. You've been listening to Elton Jim's Captain Podtastic. From the end of the web to your screen. What, that you don't want to come? <laughs>